Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, welcome along V8 Sleuth Podcast for another week. Aaron Noonan here with you in the studio at Sleuth Headquarters in Melbourne. But I have not come alone. Oh no, I've brought my trusty co-driver, Will Dale. Welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's great to have you here. Uh, This episode of the podcast has really been flavoured by something that went on just before Easter. How is it that a Commodore V8 supercar, and why is it that a Commodore V8 supercar is now in the United States of America. We thought that question alone was good enough for an episode of the podcast. Agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when, when like, oh, so friend of the podcast, Cameron Kirby, flicked me the tweet in question showing a photo of a plain white VF Commodore V8 supercar at a NASCAR race team shop. It, um... Definitely got me excited. Got me excited too. That's what we love at V8 Sleuth. It's right up our alley. And judging by the number of people who tagged us in that uh, tweet <laughs> later on, people yes. know we're into that stuff as well. And we are the, well, we're the go-to for this stuff. This is right up our alley. This is our bread and butter. This is absolutely what we love. So we thought we'd just focus in on what is this car and why is it in North Carolina? And it actually links a little, I think, to what's going on with a Mustang XV8 supercar that's in the United States as well. So to give some background, NASCAR brought in a brand new car last year, next gen, was it next sort of gen. called? Technically yeah. Gen 7 if you want to keep up with the numbers or, or equate it to our Gen 3, which technically isn't the third. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Next gen. Next year. So this is the second year of that new platform of car for NASCAR. And – they have severely, in this new era of car, limited testing, really chopped right back on it. You can only go testing at official NASCAR tests. And it's, they're mostly tyre tests anyway yeah, rather so than actual it's, development. It's pretty minor. You can't do much. And that's prompted some teams to go and get their um, their drivers opportunities to drive other vehicles that are similar but not the same, so therefore they don't fall foul of those testing restrictions. And the other element here is that NASCAR in recent years has more of an influx of road course racing than oval courses. The, the, it used to always be two for the year, Watkins Glen and Sears Point slash Infineon slash whatever it's called this year yes. or what area you're from. Now you've got, what, Circuit of the Americas, you've got Indianapolis road course, yep. Chicago street race this yeah, year. Yeah, who'd have thought they'd ever run yeah. a street circuit uh, in the Cup Ro- Series? Road America. Yeah, that, well, that was a very popular addition to the series. So clearly – getting seat time for drivers in road course cars of some description without getting in strife with testing because you're not driving an ass car is clearly important. And we saw that last year. We reported it, didn't we? We got a little tip off with a video and some images of what was a – it's a Gen 2 Mustang that started its life as a Falcon that went to the States to Penske and sat there otherwise and became, in essence, a Mustang and used for 
ride days and promo Basically stuff. Ford showing off the fact that it had it was in supercars in Australia. Yeah, it had a shell livery, but it didn't have an undertray in it, and some of the elements that might have made people think it was being used for testing that meant that the data, you know, it didn't correlate to anything that was was meaningful. Ryan Briscoe drove that car. Jim Farley, the head of Ford. Drove it. Apparently as well. loves driving that car. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And why not? Daniel Ricardo's been in the car mm. as well. Yep, yep. But then we spotted, we got some imagery from I think it was May last year at Watkins Glen of a black Mustang with Dunlop tires with a lip rear spoiler, plain black with a little number 22 on it somewhere, I think there was as well, which is a Penske race number in NASCAR with Joey yep. Logano. Logano and Ryan Blaney running that car at a test day effectively at Watkins Glen. Because when you think about it, the new era of NASCAR racing, what's it most like anything in the world? A supercar. Yeah. I mean, the core of that is the transaxle that they now run, which is very, very similar, if not largely the same, than what we run, we've we been running since Gen 2, since Car of the Future. And, of course, when you've got that car, it's not under an, it's not an NASCAR. No. It might be a bit similar-ish to an NASCAR, wrong side of, you know, the wrong car, left-hand, right-hand yeah. drive. But that was a scenario whereby, well, they can do it, so therefore they've done it. A chance to give their drivers more running on road courses in a car that's as close as you're going to get that isn't a NASCAR. And when we saw that last year, it prompted a chat between Cam and I as to why aren't more more NASCAR teams hitting up Australian Mm. supercar squads for their old cars because it's a pretty logical thing, especially when you're seeing one team doing it. You think, that's a great idea. Let's go get one of those because surely there'd be a few around. That, well, there's a few around because they're not all racing in Super 2 this year. Or there's Super not three. many racing in Super 3 this year. Yeah, so VFs are now Super 3 cars this year. Mm. Um, and when you take out the cars that have perhaps been snapped up by collectors that have won Bathurst, championships, there's still plenty of them around. There, there are still some of these cars available. However, having said that, there's some in the UK now or mm. either there or on their way at some point. There's, there's, it's a thing. It's definitely a thing. If you're a supercar team with one of these cars, you would be very smart to ring around a few people in NASCAR. I'm sure you could do a deal. I'm sure you could find oh, absolutely. a way to get a car over there. And and this white Commodore that caught our eye on Twitter uh, just before Easter, late last week really, it popped up just as we were pretty much logging off, didn't it, for mm. the Easter break. Caught my eye, caught your eye, clearly caught Cam's eye for him to pass it on to, yeah. to tell us about it. Um and then a few more details started fleshing out on Twitter with... The import record is the, the one that got me. Yeah, that <laughs> like, was impressive. That left in absolutely no doubt as to where the car had come from and where the car had gone. And I must admit, I did have a conversation early in the year with Terry Wyhoon a long time ago, pre-season, that this might have been a possibility that this would happen. And I've got to tell you, I kind of forgot about it because there was so much going on in the pre-season and in the build-up to the new championship and the new cars and you know, putting together the new program that we were doing for Newcastle and the season guide for supercars and everything going, going on. on. It has been a bit going on. So when this popped up, my mind was blank originally, as blank as the car. <laughs> Plain yeah. white Commodore, huh? But very quickly I think I fired a note to you and said, ah. Hang on a sec. Hang yeah. on. I think I know what this is. Yeah. And clearly Childress are onto the situation with Penske. So they've got – they run two cars in cup for Kyle Busch who joined them in the off-season. Yep. And Austin Dillon, who's Richard Childress's grandson. Yep. 
And of course, RCR is the famous team that Dale Earnhardt drove for, the Good Wrench number three, yeah. for, for so many years. Started and out as an NASCAR privateer himself as a racer yeah. Uh, yeah. before turning the car over to Earnhardt for half a season, then Ricky Rudd, and a whole heap of Hall of Fame drivers have been through that team over the years. And of course, Austin Dillon now races with that number three since they brought that back. He won the 500 at Daytona a couple of years back. I think they won three Daytona 500s. That mm. team over the journey now. So, it's and of course, story. that number three is why Daniel Ricciardo runs the number three. Exactly right. Exactly right. So it's a storied organisation. It's very strong in the Chevrolet and GM side of things, of course. So it makes total sense that they've acquired that car because, well, Terry's running one in Super 3 for young Job Stewart, which is the sister car. But this car... It was available. It was able to be got. So they got it, and it's yeah. in the United States now. It, um, what's the – where is it in North Welcome Carolina? Welcome, North Carolina. Welcome. you got to put a, a great name, there. isn't it? Yeah, Welcome, yeah. North Carolina. It's Re- the place. Yeah. yeah. Really want to visit their race shop if I ever get over there because, yeah. yeah, they've got a fantastic – their original race shop that where they ran Earnhardt out of for all those years. Um, they've since moved out. They've built a brand-new purpose-built facility. Uh, but they've turned that one into a museum. So oh, it's filled with old race cars and I think Danny Chocolate Myers. Um, the refueler. The, yeah, the refueler, yeah. yeah. Um, he's basically like their head of history who takes nice. you around the race shop. Well, cool. apparently he's not been well recently, so I oh, okay, hope, so hope he's doing all right. Yeah, cool. Well, that's a cool thing. That, yeah. That sleuth field trip? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm you, not saying no. Who's paying? <laughs> Anyone You're out the there want to do yeah. some GoFundMe to get us across to North Carolina? Clearly you've got to expect that RCR have acquired this car, they've got a hold of it to do this with it, to run it at and, – and we've seen on Twitter them running another type of Camaro that is probably not as close to the current NASCAR at various track days and things. There's a photo actually I think on Twitter of this Camaro at Circuit of the Americas. Quite clearly at the top of the hill. Yeah, the it's head, very obvious yeah. where it is. And if you want some more details, by the way, there's more details on our website on v8sleuth.com.au. But clearly, they haven't just got this car for the fun of it. They will clearly use this for road course practice, whether it's in races or private test days, to not be, you know, won't be part of the NASCAR testing restrictions. No, it's the logical reason for why they, they've got the car over there. Uh, although it would be cool to see it out on an oval. Ooh, stop Wouldn't it. Wouldn't that be fun? Stop it. Stop it. Where are you going with this? Roval oh, racing. Oh, yeah. Get well, that Thunderdome up and going. Well, if you, can't, you can't test on a road course and you can't test on an oval either. Roval. Yeah. It's the track you have when you don't have a track. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so this is a really interesting scenario. And it's not the only supercar to be in the US. We know that that Penske car is, is obviously over there as well. There's cars in Europe. There's a lot in England. Alex mm. Sidwell, who's, you know, he's got a... Pretty much, he is um, British supercar racing with the the Commodores and the stuff that he's acquired in the last what five, six, seven, eight years. He's got enough cars to make a series there. Yeah. Not not quite enough for an American supercar series now, but uh, another one over there is a, a pretty cool thing. And I'm led to believe that there's there might be a connection between a former Image Racing staff member of Terry Wyhoon's and someone who works at RCR now. So I think there's been a bit of a tie in there over time. And of course. Terry's got a long American connection to racing, raced NASCAR here on the Thunderdome, and, of course, that involves going to the US a few times to go and buy cars and bits and all that sort of stuff. So you do build up a bit of a contact bank over the journey. So can't wait to see what happens with that car, but also who gets to drive it, which is cool. Oh, it'll be exciting to see Austin Dillon 
or and or Kyle Busch in one of those cars because we know Kyle's brother Kurt had a run in a supercar a long time ago now the mm. um the Commodore prototype car of the future when they shipped it over to Austin as a promotion ahead of the um the 2013 race over there and not and so this would be a scenario where we could get two bushes to drive supercars because Kurt drove that prototype then mm. we could get Kyle 10 years later to drive another one complete the set yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's a double bush. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a bush series. I like it. Yes, <laughs> yes. yeah. They might actually end up letting their Xfinity drivers loose as well at Childress in that because there's road course racing uh, in Xfinity, which is in essence Super Two of of NASCAR racing. It's the second tier category that. Well, what was it? Nationwide bush Nationwide series. Bush series. It's been a bit yeah. of everything over yeah. the journey, but uh, cool car. Interesting history. Let's let's dive a bit deeper because the reality is, will. This car in the United States is making its second trip to the United States. It's been there before. Yeah, we briefly touched on the fact that supercars raced at um, Circuit of the Americas in 2013, which, of course, was the first year of the Car of the Future platform. This car back in 2013 was the number two Holden Racing Team Commodore for Garth Tander. So it went to Austin, it did the four races there and carried that sort of special livery with the American flag and Australian flag dialed in on the rear guards. Um, and this car actually was also the very first VF Commodore supercar revealed because, yeah. of course, in all the early part of the Car of the Future testing back in the back half of 2012, very start of 2013, all the Commodores were in VE trim because the VF Commodore road car hadn't been shown to anyone yet, D- hadn't been released, hadn't mm. been launched. So the day after the road car was shown off to the world, the race car could finally be shown off to everyone as well. And that that was this car. This car went out to Calder, did a shakedown run and a bit of filming and then was revealed at Holden headquarters. Down in Port Melbourne in Salmon Street. So this car is one of the batch of Walkinshaw's first Car of the Future cars. So they built, this is chassis 19. They built 16, 17, 18, 19, three for themselves one for Tony Delberto as a customer car. Uh, so two were HRT and one was super cheap for Russell, Russell Ingle car. Yep. So as you said, this this is 19. So this was Garth's car, won a couple of races in 13 and had a few different liveries. So this is the HRT uh, livery that was white with the gold wheels and the red and black. And it's I a actually, nice livery, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's not the standout HRT memorable car that you, if you just thought HRT liveries, think of your top four. Five, hmm. three. But looking back on it, it's kind of a nice, clean, crisp car. And they tweaked it during the year because there was the Austin livery with the United States uh, Star Spangled Banner hanging off the back of it. There was the Anzac livery as they were running quite regularly there. Which they um, tried to get over the line quite a few times. I think this was yeah, the first one. I think one. this was the first one. Yeah, it 13? was the first one. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think that's right. And then, of course, Holden had sponsorship commitments in AFL with the Collingwood Football Club uh, and ran that livery on the car at Sandown, I think it was. Yep. And the NRL, so State of Origin, uh, it was a Maroons car for Townsville, which is where it won. Yeah, which proudly beat the New South Wales car that James Courtney was in. <laughs> yeah. Not that I think Garth particularly cares either way about rugby no, league. No. But. And, and the great only too was, um, so James is, he's a New South Welshman through Very and through, so, so it fit for him to drive the blue car. Perth's from, uh, Garth's from Perth uh, <laughs> and has been living in Melbourne for the best part of, I don't know, 25 years now. So... Uh, I'm not sure where his tie into Queensland goes. He definitely doesn't barrack for Collingwood either. <laughs> well, Perkett, Nick Perkett, who co-drove that car at Sandown, 
Well, surely he's not a Collingwood supporter. No, he married for the Crows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> both of it, both and both their teams dip, didn't make the eight that year. <laughs> and Sandown Five Hundreds, what second weekend or like mid September? So, so you, after the first round of finals, uh, when oh, Collingwood no. was knocked out. So, so what you're saying is there were a pile of Collingwood players available to go for hot laps on the Friday afternoon session if they if they'd recovered. Yeah, <laughs> from from their season ending early. And that Townsville win too, mate. That was HRT's first win since 2011 Bathurst because they went like every team bar Triple Eight and FPR winless in the championship in 2012. I think that was their first winless season since '92. Yeah, we'll check out. Yeah, yeah. So it was a unique thing. So Garth got them back on the board in. Uh, Townsville, and he won again at Phillip Island. But remember the 60-60? We talked about this yeah. not long ago, didn't we? Yeah. Funnily enough, in it was in our um, episode looking back at all the race, championship races in Perth where we actually talked about this car involved in that incident with Scott Pye where he got lift off coming down the hill at Wanneroo during mm. the 60-60 race. So this car had a... Um, had a penchant for being involved in spectacular things in in the last lap of that before the halfway break in sixty sixty races. Is that penchant or penchant? Penchant. Yeah, I didn't want to have a swing in case I, I in case you, I sprayed it. But you yeah. could have done it. You would have done it right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mag- thank you. Very magnificent, if you will. Uh, so, is that <laughs> the we? one where Tanda won the sixty sixty? So, if you forget sixty sixty, there was this concept to split the Saturday race and run the first half and then have a break. And then restarting the order that they were running in in a second half, sixty k's, sixty kilometers of racing, which is a bit too. catchier than one twenty. Yeah, a bit but. inspired by the twenty twenty cricket phenomenon that was really getting going yeah. around that stage. And a quick stage. turnaround between the two halves. Yeah, yep, short, sharp, quick. You could do a little bit of work to your car, but not much. Mm. Go. So, Gartho wasn't leading coming into the final corner of the first half of that 60-60 race. But he, he by the time he got not. to the line, he was in front. He had a front row seat for the action once again because that that was the race where title contenders Mark Winterbottom and Craig Lowndes, well, Frosty had a dive at the last corner on Lowndes who was leading and they both ended up out in the sand. And I think Frosty made it on the best of the, the two of them to scrabble back on somewhere in the top ten. Um, but by that point, Garth was long gone and taking the um, checkered flag for the first half. It was, was a it a checkered flag? Did they actually yeah, wave the checkered flag? I think they did flag flag them from memory. Yeah. So you have this, yeah, it, it was halftime of a race. It wasn't the end of a race, but it looked like the end of a race. Yeah. Oh, supercars have had such a great history of doing that sort of stuff over the years, you know. Anyone for a qualifying race? Let's not. Okay, let's, let's not, not go there. So for Garth Tander, this is his car in 2013, the car that's now in America. Mm-hmm. So for 2014, it remains his car. Deliveries tweaked, though. This is when they went to the red wheels. The SP tool silver signage came onto the rear flanks. Toll had been on the previous year on the side, so that disappeared. Mobile was back on the bonnet as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Fluoro red wheels, which um, I don't know about. Didn't look as good as the gold, but it's uh, always going to struggle in comparison yeah, in my opinion. I don't mind them, but I don't mind either of them. But it didn't really work for him. The first half of that year was a bit of a rough one because – not much was going right. He did, though, get a race win in Townsville, which was just a track. It was kind of like Adelaide for it was HRT. a street circuit. Street track, um, no big constant radius corners or not to the level of Phillip Island or some of those other places, which is actually ironically where he got a win yeah. in 13. But they were good on street tracks, and that was another one that they had a really great run there and were really competitive and, and really solid in. But Garth actually got another car 
partway through that year. So this car went to the bench, but it wasn't on the bench for very long. No, you have a spare car for a reason. And Tim Slade, who who had joined Walkinshaw Racing that year, along with Nick Perkat as their sort of quasi-junior team in the other two cars, um, unfortunately, Slady was involved in a pretty bad accident on the opening lap of that Sydney Motorsport Park round and badly damaged his Walkinshaw Racing Commodore. So he was slotted into this car for the remainder of the season and, for that matter, all of 2015 as well. And this was the super cheap auto car that he ran as number 47, although it did have a couple of different numbers over the journey, which, uh, you know, there's always a, an anniversary here or a, a reason to celebrate things. But when I think of that car for Slade, so he drove that car from the Sandown 500 onwards. So Tony Delberto had finished full-time driving the end of the previous year when his family's team um, ceased to be. So he goes to Walkinshaws, which made sense, had a connection to WR. Knew the cars. Yeah, knew the cars. He co-drove for Tim. But they finished on the podium at the Gold Coast, which was TD's first ever supercars podium. But they didn't cross the line third because that's the one, remember, where Slade was fighting off Mark Winterbottom, who gave him a bit of a bump and run coming out of the last corner on the last lap, beat him to the line to grab third. But they pretty much straight away made the call in race control of a – I think I, I think they just swapped the positions around yeah, or gave him a five-second. It, it, it was a small penalty to put Slade back on the podium. But remember that Slade was cooked? Yeah, it wasn't just Frosty that he was oh, fighting in the closing laps of that race. He was fried. I think the cool suit had died and he got out of that car. And I think that post-race interview, I don't know if he remembers it. He probably doesn't because it was real la-la land stuff. He was really struggling and he was clearly affected by the heat and exhausted by the, the battle. But they got to the podium anyway to um, – to, to get a result and get a trophy, which was ace. So this car did get back to the podium. Did have a – that was also the car, was it not, that was number 10 at Bathurst because I think it was the 10th year of Super Cheap sponsoring the race. Yeah, yeah. And, it and was, that, that's the one that crashed at the top of the mountain. Yeah, I think they briefly led that race too, which – Oh, uh, after the restart. Yeah, which to be fair, given that race wasn't exactly a um, distinctive <laughs> dis- – a major distinction. I think a lot of cars yeah, led that yeah, race at various true. times of day, but yeah. <laughs> that's um, true. Unfortunately, yeah, crashed at Reed Park ah, on, the, on the run right. up the hill. Yep. And that was that. was that. that car did come back though in 15, still with Slade, still super cheap. Still number 47, which was the, the connection, remember, that James Rosenberg had been with Tim and backing him through that period with Stones and Erebus in the Walkinshaws. So that was the number that Tim had come along with with, with James. Um, I think somewhere it was 300 as well. I think it was 300 stores. Yeah. At, um, something like that. At Simmons, the Simmons Plains and Wanneroo rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TD comes back. I think Slady had a big shunt to end the year at Sydney Olympic Park that kind of finished off the season uh, for him. And actually that was his time done because he went to Brad's BJR uh, for the following year. But this car actually did go on to another team for 16. It was part of a big change for Erebus. They changed everything, uh, state, workshop, brand crew. car, crew, drivers, drivers, sponsors. It was pretty much a wholesale. It was the same team in name only and Barry and Betty was about it because yeah. it was all new. And this car became Aaron Russell's plus fitness car when he put together that deal. He'd been in Super 2 for some time. Um, the Russell family in Newcastle, who we saw have a great run on the weekend and finished yeah. second in the Bathurst Six Hour in their BMW. That was a cool result. Um, get a deal together to finally put one of their boys on the grid in the main game. And um, Walkinshaws was still supplying engines to Erebus. It was. They essentially it was, it was went and got a customer car. Yeah, right? they went and got a turnkey, two turnkey race cars 
that at that time, Walkinshaws were producing race-winning cars. Mm. Um, the HRT wasn't ex- exerting the level of dominance that they'd wanted, but they were competitive race cars and they were renowned as having strong engine, an engine program that delivered a lot of horsepower and while being very economical as well. So it was a competitive package if you wanted to start from scratch, which essentially Erebus was for 2016. And it was handy because both were in Melbourne. Yes. HRT and Clayton. Erebus in Melbourne when they, they came down and set up their their workshop. So that worked as well. It didn't work out with Aaron Russell and that team. I think he might have run out of budget. I'm not, I can't quite remember what unfolded there. It was there, an issue of some kind there yeah, after the um, 2016, after the Townsville round. Yeah, so he, he lasted until halfway through the year. Craig Baird. Actually, this is Baird's last supercar, actually. this is Oh, the, yeah. The like Hungry Jacks Jacks car. Yeah, yeah, from Queensland Raceway that year where he was co-driving with Reynolds for the Enduro, so they stuck him in for a round uh, for him to do that one. Shay Davies, who had signed to drive the Enduros with them, became the regular driver in this car as car number four uh, through the rest of the Enduros and the rest of the season. So he had um, – Chris Vanderdrift, the Kiwi co-driver. Oh, there's here. a name. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a left field one. I, I can't remember how that even came to be, but um, they sort of kept under the radar and kept largely out of trouble. That car finished off the season, and that was it for the main game for this car because uh, Erebus built one of their own and stuck with the other XHRT car that they had. This was a spare for two years. It wasn't raced, and I don't think, don't quote me on this, I don't think it even ran on track again. I don't think they used it even on a test day or an evaluation day. Or, or a ride day. Or or a, or... I don't think so. Maybe, but it definitely didn't race. But then it found another life, as these things do, uh, in the Dunlop Super 2 Series. Yeah, with Erebus have it, developing an association with Terry Wahoon's Image Racing Squad, um, this car passed to Image Racing and Jordan Boys ran it from 2019 onwards. And did it well. I mean, he he, he stepped up from – remember, he replaced uh, Rene Gracie in the Caltex ah, car, yes. the Dragon Image car, late in the season when Rene parted ways there. And we got a bit of what Jordan Boys was capable of, but when he got into this car, he won a couple of races in Super 2 in 19. Um, but right at the tail end of the year, right wasn't Sandown and yeah. Newcastle? Yeah, that's right. And – that year, they'd actually changed the engine supplies. They weren't running Walkinshaw engines. I think they were running some um, updated X Kelly engines, but they did go back to Walkinshaw motors um, later on down the line. Of course, the 2020 Super 2 season was pretty much a three-round COVID-ravaged kind yes. of thing, though boys did run this car uh, at those rounds. And then he ran it again in 2021, but you might remember too that there was that uh, real – Really unfortunate situation where he lost the round win from round one at Bathurst actually sometime later because there was an engine irregularity in the Walkinshaw-provided engine that it, that Image didn't build or provide or do anything with and he got scrubbed. He got absolutely wiped. Yeah, it was like a month and a half later. Um, it was found that the en- or it was the engine was sealed after the race. I've gone back and read the um, V8 Sleuth report on on when it happened. Um, the engine was sealed after the race, was taken away by supercars, and it was examined and found to exceed the acu- listed accumulated engine power number, which is one of the metrics they use to judge parity and make sure the engine isn't like isn't out of out of spec, essentially, uh, for a VF Commodore 
And it turned out that what had happened with it, that particular engine had been fitted with a development cylinder head in 2015, uh, which it, the which Walkinshaw had believed after discussion with supercars was eligible for use in Super 2. And as a result of supply shortages in the wake of damage to all four of Walkinshaw Racing's engines across the 2020 Adelaide 500, then COVID hit. So there were supply chains issue, chain issues. And um, lo and behold, all this only emerged sadly after Jordan Boys had put in a storming drive to win that round. And yeah. Um, yeah. both Jordan and Image Racing copped the brunt of it. Yeah, that was a real shame because that was a breakout result for him, not just a race win but a, a round win overall. But he did go back to Bathurst. Remember when we started the season in 2021 at Bathurst for the Repco Mount Panorama 500 and then went back again yeah. in December for the Repco Bathurst 1000, which I'm still tired from that six-day event. Jeepers. It was great Jeepers. for the first three days. I was cooked after day three. <laughs> um, but he managed to, um, again, win the last race of the season, which he did a couple of times in his time with, with Terry's team. And that car didn't finish at Image Racing at the end of 21. It was in uh, the Super 2 Series last year for Image. And, and then instantly I thought that that was Jay Hansen's car. But having a chat to Terry Wyhoon before we recorded this pod, and actually after I'd actually put together a story today on the website, I had to do, do a little update, they actually swapped cars last year and didn't tell anyone. Yeah, so it was actually Jalen Robotham that yeah. was aboard this particular chassis for – that was that wasn't his, it wasn't his first year in Super Two. It was second year in Super yeah, Two, I think. Yeah, um, and won the opening race of the season in it at City Motorsport Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a car that's done some winning in both the main championship and in Super Two with a couple of different pilots in Super Two. So it's had winning history. It has won a championship, but it's definitely been quick in the hands of a, a range of drivers. And now it has a new chapter in the United States. How long it stays there for? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out whether it ever comes back or um, who drives it. What it does while it's over there. Yeah. I, we need to get some spies to uh, keep us in the loop if you're a V8 Sleuth podcast listener and if you're in the United States and you're at a racetrack and you <laughs> see a white car that looks a bit like a VF Commodore and it sounds like a supercar, uh, take a photo. Take some video. Tell us about it. We, we'd love to know. We love this stuff. We love the history. Um and it's probably been one of the things this week that's been really exciting to sit down and, and get stuck into this topic because probably, and a lot of our long-time readers will have picked up, we've expanded our news coverage since late last year. So there's been so much going on in the ins and outs and the day-to-day of supercars and, and news this year that we haven't really had as much sleuth spec traditional content to be able to do. But Oh, we got it in droves yeah. with this one. This yes. was this was right up our alleyway. And, of course, the other thing is, too, being a HRT car, the full history of this car, a whole pile of imagery, extra insight, it's all in our HRT cars history book. The second edition that we put together, limited print run, we've still got some left. Uh, jump on the website, V8 Sleuth uh, Superstore. The website address, again, is superstore.v8sleuth.com.au and you can grab yourself a copy because – and you can bundle it up with other books to save yourself some money, which is a good deal. We do have a couple of Perkins books left, by the way. Do we just? Yeah, if you put those together, we'll knock a bunch of money off it and do better deals. So jump on the bundles page on our website and you can see some of the good deals that we've got floating there. But this has been a cool part of – this is the stuff that built V8 Sleuth. This is the stuff that we really love and I just have – over Easter, I could not wait to sit down and talk about this car with you because it's such a cool, interesting thing and it's in a place that is – so unique, so different. I can't help but think that right now, or maybe this week, 
there's a few supercars or Super 2 team owners that are just dialing up some friends in America to see if there's anyone over there who wouldn't mind to take a car off their hands, either to just clear out the workshop a little or make some dollars. Who knows? It could be a it could be a cottage industry. <laughs> Mr. Keslowski, there seems to be a caller from Albury on the line. <laughs> Not him again. <laughs> Brad. No, it's uh, Brad. No, no, I'm Brad. Oh, he's Brad. <laughs> what? Could be a bit that way. Could be a bit that way. Uh, don't forget to Castro Motorsport News Podcast every Tuesday. AVL, Stefan, the boys are nailing it. Best insight and analysis in Australian motorsport you'll get on a podcast. Award-winning. Award-winning. Insight Sorry, analysis. contractually I am obliged to say that because they put it in their contracts for this year that I must say award-winning every week because, well, it is award-winning. So yes. tune in every Tuesday. It's usually live, isn't it, Will, about 4 o'clock-ish in the afternoon Eastern? Yeah. Daylight savings, well, not daylight savings, we're out of daylight savings. But four o'clock, except four for o'clock the times ish. it isn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's a little bit later, then that's okay. It's good for the commute home on a yes. Tuesday or on the commute in on a Wednesday if you haven't quite got to it or it's a little bit later. So uh, V8 Salute Podcast, we're back next Wednesday. What do you feel like next week? What is on the menu for next week? I reckon, um, I reckon we might dip into the old mailbag. Mailbag? Everything. It, there's constantly mail in the mailbag. Uh, Q&As, you bring the Qs, we bring the As. I think that's a fair... Fair it's a good deal. deal. It's a good deal. I tell you what, we've also gotten a heap of suggestions for our um, for what trophies we can name after drivers for particular rounds as well uh, around Australia. Yeah, we did a call out on that a while back, didn't we? So let's make sure that we do that next week as part of our Q and A. Some good suggestions in there. Some 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 weird ones. I will say that. But you some mean really the cage good match ones. for Tasmania? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was, enjoyed reading now that. Now for Get the steel chairs in there. Get the steel chairs. Uh, Gussie hey. from the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I might do some WWE. No, we're getting out of here. Hey, everyone, thanks so, so much for tuning in. Hope you had a great Easter. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and a bit of a look at memory lane at this interesting car that popped up in the news this week on the V8 Sleuth website. Of course, don't forget, every day, jump online, v8sleuth.com.au for all sorts of Australian motorsport news, views and insight. Thanks for listening again. We'll be back next Wednesday. Load those cues. We'll bring the A's. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out.